Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's new podcast about all things Yeovil Town. Thanks to those who are tuning in to the very first episode and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Audioboom. I'm your host Josh Fordham and joining me is our sports editor Stephen Dalbiak. Hello. And also Yeovil reporter Liam Trim. Hello Josh. Uh, So every Monday we will be discussing the weekend's game uh, along with the latest goings on at Hewish Park. We'll also be uh, giving our view on the biggest talking points in football over the weekend. It's been a very busy week for both the men's and the ladies' team, uh, but first we should turn our attention uh, to Yeovil's defeat at Newport, uh, away from home on Saturday. Stephen, what did you make of the game? Um, well, unfortunately, it was uh, probably a case of what didn't go wrong for Yeovil. It was a uh, very, very disappointing display from them. Um, probably the worst in terms of a performance in a, both in a defensive and an attacking sense over 90 minutes. I would say it's the worst that I've seen from them this season. They were just dominated pretty much from start to finish. Mm. They created very few chances. The only real time they looked like they might score was right at the end when um, Olomola hit the bar. And um, and overall, it's a very disappointing one because when you look at the teams in and around that area of the table and, and the teams that Yeovil are going to be competing with this season, Newport are one that you look at and you put right in the same bracket as Yeovil. Yeah, so absolutely, because they're, they're sort of mid-table team, aren't they? Uh, they're not flying high, yeah. sort of defeating everyone in their in their wake. Yeah. I mean, they, they've started well, to be fair to them, and they were unbeaten in eight home games before the weekend. Mm-hmm. So it was it was going to be difficult for Yeovil to, to go there and, and play against them, but... What you want to see is you want to see the performance. You want to see Yeovil creating things and um, and not being caught out by set pieces, which they have been pretty much mm. the whole season. And um, it just it just didn't pan out at all well for them. Mm. So Liam, what did you what did you make of the game? Well, I mean, even if you just look at the goals, Josh, it was extremely disappointing watching those back. It's basically two free headers from set pieces, basic stuff. And in in League Two, I think you said earlier, Josh, you know, it's one of the few things you can drill a team to do is to just defend set pieces well and, and to, to mark your man or if you're going to go zonal go modern but do it well I mean if you watched the way they're challenging for those headers over, I mean this just frankly looks ridiculous they have so much so much space yeah the amount of times you see um, a cross come in or a free kick come in and you've got someone sort of penalty spot area free header and it, it could have easily been a lot more yeah, they, like they got lucky safe, yeah. Stephen, is that yeah, that's, that's fair to say. I, I think, you know, I, I, as soon as the whistle went, you know, my first thought was, yeah, it's lucky it was only two. It could have been five, it could have been six. And if it had been that, I don't think Yeovil could really have had any complaints about it. And, and defending set pieces is something that's been a problem all season. It happened, you know, it's happened multiple times. I mean, Grimsby was another example of a team that Yeovil knew would be direct, but they set up in a way specifically to try and combat that and they were caught out there. The same thing happened on Saturday. You know, Darren Way said that they'd been spending all week working on set pieces and when you looked at the performance, there was very little evidence of that. So it, that's disappointing because you know what you're going to get from a team like Newport. You know they're not going to try and pass the ball around. You're not going to try and walk the ball into the net. They are going to be direct. They're going to have a lot of set pieces. Um, Bentoza with a long throw, mm. you know, former Yeovil player Bentoza. So they, they know what their strengths were. They knew what the strengths were, but they just didn't 
looked like they, they knew how they were going to combat that. Yeah, and there's two former Yeovil players who really performed well, um, particularly Matty Dolan, who was a, a fan's favourite last season. A lot of people would have been sad to see him go score some absolute screamers um, in, in the last campaign. He had a great game, didn't he? He was superb, and I think it was just, it just t- typified everything that he brought to Yeovil last year. His set-piece delivery was spot-on, as it was for a lot of the time he was at Yeovil. He was a real creative influence for them. And the way that him and Toza worked together in midfield, you know, they they played together in that position for Yeovil, and you, mm. you knew that they they know each other inside out, and they really took advantage of that. Yeovil's midfield hasn't really been firing all season, and, and Newport, you know, it, they were on another level, both mm. of them. And I think it's really disappointing, because it, when you look at the way in which Dolan and Toza both departed, they were both out of contract, and you maybe feel that perhaps more could have been done to persuade both of them to stay. Mm. And really, they both came back and punished Yeovil. Yeah, and it's um, two games now without scoring. They've not really had that problem so far in um, finding goals at the other end. It's um, so that that is a bit worrying. Do you think so? If is is it worrying? Do you think for the Oval fans? Oh, that definitely. They haven't. Yeah, you're right. I mean, out? certainly it seemed like the pattern of the season earlier on, wasn't it? It seemed like the Oval were going to maybe leak a few goals, but at least be exciting going forward. So it is concerning that they're dropping points now at home and away, and like Stephen has said, against rivals in the table. And also to pick up on what Stephen said, it is interesting. Stephen and I went over to. Hewish on last Thursday ahead of the Newport game and, and Darren was, was trying to sound his best to be upbeat and talking about how you know it's, it's not a long trip to go to Newport they haven't got that excuse of being a long journey mm. um, and also he, like, like Stephen said Darren had all the facts there at his hands uh, he said I think his, his stat which he repeated twice was 57% of Newport's goals have come from set plays and he said that twice <laughs> in his press conference um, and, and you wonder what's going wrong on the training pitch if, if Darren is well aware of what the opponent's strengths are and they're, they're setting out presumably exercises to cope with that and none of that's... Or, you know, you'd, you'd think they've prepared for that but then on match day it all just goes out of their head so you wonder what's going wrong. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot to say about the, the leadership on the pitch as well as off the pitch. I think you can prepare a team as much as you like off the pitch but there's no real evidence of any r- true leaders mm. in that Yeovil team and that's been a problem all season. James Bailey has the captain's armband. He's an experienced player. He's a talented player but do you, do you look at him and think that this is a man who's going to lead you? I, d- I don't see that in him. And I think he's quite young, isn't he? Stephen? Well, he's, t- he's twenty-nine, which by Yeovil standards is probably one of the more yeah, he's one of the more experienced players in the squad. Yeah. And I think if you were to look at the Yeovil squad, he's probably the best candidate to be in that position. But there's no Darren Ward figure, there's no Jamie McAllister mm. figure that Yeovil have had in recent years, and who who have been so instrumental to them. And they they do find themselves in games when they go a goal down, just looking like mm. they don't have the belief to get back into it, which is really disappointing when you consider. But they have shown they can do that at Chesterfield the other week when they were two 0 up, got pegged back to two all. When you thought, oh, how's this going to end? They found a way to come back and win the game, and it's just that frustration that every time it looks like this noble team has the potential to go on a run and build some momentum, mm. they squander it at the first opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like the only way they're getting wins this season is if they go out ahead. As soon as they go go behind, then it's it's game over. Really, if you score the first goal against Yeovil, then you're more than likely going to win. Um, do, you th- do you think it's sort of inexperience in the side or is it because they don't have that that maybe natural leader? I think there's the lack of leadership. I think the midfield hasn't really been firing that much 
this season. A lot of the strengths um, you can say of um, of Khan and um, Zoko and Onomola is that they like the ball played into their feet rather than through the air. And so you need those players who can play the through balls, who can really split the defences. Mm. You've got Khan who can who can run at the defence, but. Teams know that that's what Yeovil are going to do, and in particular in recent weeks, there are teams have found ways to cut Otis Khan out of the game a lot of the time, and that's hurt Yeovil. They're not playing the balls into the feet of Zoko and Olamola, which allows them to play to their strengths. And so, I think when it does work, and of course there will be times when it can work, you know, Yeovil can create plenty of chances. But if you've got a team that's well drilled that knows what they're coming up against, then it's it can be very easy to cut them out of the game and once you do that from from Yeovil's point of view it's very difficult to see a way that they're going to create chances and score goals yeah so what was the fans reaction after after the game on social media and just the, the fans in general who are at the game I think we just want to share disappointment there was a lot of anger a lot of frustration as you would imagine especially on an away trip I know it's not the longest away trip but I think every time you go away it costs a significant amount of money to follow your team and I know mm. that having followed them in the championship years you know it does create a significant dent in the bank balance and so when you're when you're traveling and following the team every week and um, you're not getting the results that you want to see all the performances it, it can be very frustrating and I think certainly the one theme that you are beginning to see is that there is more of a tide on social media at least turning towards um, sorry turning against um, Darren Wade mm. and, and the management team and you know it's something that's really you know noticeably grown over recent weeks and it's I think that this is now the biggest test of Darren's career at Yeovil, I'd have to say, I think you you have to say that. I mean, it's six wins in thirty nine league games. I think you know it's any, not a great record, no, is it? any no. manager who has that sort of record will begin to come under pressure. And there, are, I think the next three games are going to be crucial in determining how the fans see Darren Way and how how Darren Way's you know future at Yeovil Town may unfold. Because I think you can make the case now that. There's, there's still time for Yeovil to, to turn it around and there's still time for Yeovil to go on a run. But I think it's crew at home this weekend is a massive game. And mm. then after that, it's two away games. And I think if you see Yeovil failing to pick up points from those three matches, then the number of fans who feel that there should be a change in that department is only going to begin to grow. Yeah. Yeah. So the Yeovil find themselves 20th in, in the table now. Um, only a few several points off the relegation zone Liam should Yeovil Town fans be worried I think they've got to worry yeah absolutely but I mean also don't jump the gun I think I think a lot of fans when it comes to the, you know, the debate about Darren Way's future uh, I think they'll, you'll, a lot of fans will have be in two minds on it and they'll be split I think um, you know part of me is thinking it's very frustrating when Darren just reels out phrases about stats and tactics and then, and then clearly on the pitch his team don't look prepared um, and like Stevens just said, his record in recent times has not been that great. But then on the other hand, you, you think who who else is there to come in? It's nice to have a a, play, a former player managing your team with an actual connection to the side, and he is a young manager. And there, there are signs of improvement at the start of the season, with especially the attacking play. Um, but but you know, like I say, who, who else is there to come in? And, and maybe it's a good thing to. To stick with a stable manager, you look down the road at Exeter. They're they're a similar sized club to Yeovil, um, but they're top of the league at the moment, and that's because maybe they've given uh, Paul Tisdale, the manager there, a, a backing of a long period of time, and they've been through ups and downs. Mm. But now they're after a playoff final last year, currently top of the table and playing good football. Even though they've not got a huge budget, just like Yeovil, it is possible to do well. So maybe you do have to. Go for stability at some point. Yeah, I think I think it is key not to jump jump the gun mm. too often. We see in football these days, 
the managers getting sacked, teams going through several managers a season, and it just doesn't do any good for the team or for morale. And yes, Darren, Darren Way is working on a very small budget. We can't forget that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a lot of money to play with. So, and and he's brought in a lot of players this summer as well. Yeah. Um, the huge the huge upheaval is definitely going to take some, some time to, to bed in. Quickly on player think... recruitment. Like, we were there on Thursday, weren't we, Stephen? He did say he did want to keep Matty Dolan, to be fair to Darren. So clearly, for whatever reason, they couldn't. They couldn't keep a player mm. like that. Who really? They shouldn't be. If they are going to lose Matty Dolan, I think we were talking about this amongst ourselves last week. Losing to a big club, Newport, a direct rival. You don't want to lose. Yeah, and like it's the same with Kevin Dawson as well. Who they lost to Cheltenham. Yeah. They are players that, that, if they were leaving to go to a League One club like Alex Lacey did, or to a club challenging for who, or you would expect to be challenging mm. from the start, then you could understand that. But I think when you see teams of a similar level taking players that have played such an important role for the club then it, it is disappointing I think if you, if you go back to Darren I don't think anybody can doubt how committed he is to the club mm, and how hard absolutely. he works you know he, he's been involved with the club virtually you know, non-stop apart from a short spell since 2000 you know, he, he knows the club he wants to succeed as much as anybody else wants to um, it's just it, it's difficult to um, to see how um how going forward, if he doesn't improve results, you know, in the next sort of five to ten games, how there won't be more fans who, mm. who begin to feel that way. However, I would say there is still the chance for him to turn it round. I think it's very unlikely there'll be a change in the near future. So if, if it, it could go either way for him, I think, at this point. If they go on a run of, say, three or four games and put that run together and start picking up points, then... You know, you never know that you know, we could climb a table, and um, and all of a sudden he the pressure eases on him. But it's how he reacts to this because if they don't start picking up points in the next few games, then the the amount of people who feel that he should perhaps go, and there were reports that um, that were fans chanting for him to um to to go on Saturday um, at Newport, and um, that's the sort of thing that that you don't want to hear. And it's, but it's the sort of thing that will only continue to grow if the team don't start picking up points. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I'm sure Darren will be hoping to, that will help him out is um, the news this week that Harry Redknapp will be taking an advisory role at the club. I mean, for those Yeovil Town fans who haven't heard this news, I doubt there are many out there. It's been <laughs> it's been everywhere, all in the national papers. But Harry Redknapp is um, he was down at the club on on Thursday um, talking to Darren and the players. Um, it seems like quite an informal relationship at, at the moment. He's stressed that he's not taking anything on full time. Um, Stephen, what do you think? Do you think this will have a positive impact on on the club? I think it should do. I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be a positive at this time. Like like you've said, and as, as it's been explained, um, it's very much an informal relationship. I think Harry will come down now and again. He'll be in constant contact mm. with Darren on the phone. He he may come to the odd game. We don't know if and when he will be mm. coming to games, whether he'll be at the game on Saturday. But I think just for, for Darren to be able to glean on the experience of somebody like Harry Redknapp, who's been in the game for so long, who's got such recent experience, then I think it can only be a positive because Darren's still a young manager. He's It's less than two years since he moved into management. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that he perhaps won't know, but somebody like Harry Redknapp will because he's been around the game mm. long enough to learn them. So... I think from that point of view, because and it's not an official position, there's no money involved from the overside, side, it's not costing them anything to do this. I can't see a situation, if the agreement stays as it is right mm. now, how it won't help the club. 
Yeah, Liam, you're obviously a big Harry Redknapp fan. You've got his autobiography on your desk, so you must be must be really excited to have him involved in the in the club, albeit in a sort of part time advisory role. I think a lot of people are excited, Josh. A lot of he's a football man through and through, isn't he, Harry? And uh, I think it speaks volumes that he's a. Uh... I mean, let's face it, I think at the heart of this arrangement from Harry's point of view is convenience. Uh, he lives just down the road. In, he does, in, uh, Paul, in, yeah. in Paul, in Sandbanks. He's got a lovely property down there. That's very is nice, isn't very it? Very well documented yeah. that he loves his time by the sea and why not put his feet up now? He, I think he's 70, isn't he? So he is, yeah. You know, you know he's, he's, had his, he's done his hard years in football, but uh, it's, it speaks volumes that he, he clearly does love football, that, that he's found this club up the road. He's got, he spoke to Darren, and I think Terry Skiverton in the past on numerous occasions, as it sounds like. So he wants to just, you know, I think just keep imparting a little bit of his football management wisdom, still watch the odd bit of football. Um, and yeah, like, like Stephen said, uh, take a young manager under his wing like Darren. I think what Yeovil fans will be kind of interested and concerned by perhaps is, you know, is this all just a bit of a circus, a bit of distraction from results on the pitch? Because as Stephen was kind of alluding towards there, as much as I think a lot of us still have very good view, um, good will towards Darren, it's ultimately a results business. So, you know, at some point there will come a crunch from the board, I'm sure. Um, and maybe this Redknapp thing, is that just a distraction in the meantime? What you'd hope, I suppose, as a fan, is that you'd get that sort of new manager bump effect where mm-hmm. maybe Harry Redknapp comes in for a couple of pre-match talks and the players just get a little bit of extra buzz and maybe that's what swings a result in Yeovil's favour and suddenly you've got some momentum and like Stephen says, you put some points together because that's what they need at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you, uh, Stephen wrote a good opinion piece last week about how it's a win-win situation for Yeovil, really. The effect that he will have on the team, I think it will, it will be a positive one. Someone who's sort of, he's won, won the FA Cup, he's managed sort of numerous teams in, in at the highest level of English football and got teams promoted. He is a, a huge resource of, of knowledge and inspiration for for the players and for for Darren as well. So I don't don't see that it, it won't be a positive impact on on, on the team, which. It's only only going to help Darren. It, yeah, it might be a bit of a smokescreen, a bit of sort of media circus around it. All the nationals were sort of reporting on it, and yeah, it could it could detract and distract from from what's what's happening in the club. Let's let's hope that it doesn't. I mean, Harry has himself played played it down quite a lot and just said, "I'm I'm just help helping him out," and he doesn't want everyone. And Darren as well has said he doesn't want everyone to get too carried carried away with it. I think I think, there's a, I think that's, that's a valid point. I don't think you know, it's it's right not to get too over dramatic about what it is. It, it is very much an informal agreement, but I do think at the same time it's an opportunity that the club should and, and, and could embrace. The fact that Harry Redknapp is involved with the club, it's a great story for them. It's you know, it's nothing like a good headline nationally to to bring some good publicity to the club, and um, that's the sort of thing that they could really. Um, be, be doing with at the moment because it, it's been it, it's no getting away from that. it's been a tough couple of years mm. you know there isn't a lot of um, national interest always in a club like Yeovil so for them to have that opportunity is a, it, it's it's potentially a great thing for them and one which if they could take could could give them a big boost because I think just to have Harry Redknapp involved with the club mm. if it was announced that Redknapp would be coming to the game against Crew on Saturday you could probably guarantee an extra two or three hundred tickets sold off mm. purely off the back of that mm. just for the fact that Harry Redknapp is there and that, some, that you could possibly see him there. So that's something which could work out in the club's favour in the short term if he's going to be around the place, even if it is in an informal capacity. 
I think it's something which you know you can only see as a positive way that it is. Yeah, absolutely. And he's going to have a huge contacts book. And he's, he's such a huge figure in the game. I mean, we all knew he wouldn't stay out of football for, for that long. He's always going to come back in one one way or another. He, he can't help himself. So, um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a, an asset to, to Darren Way. Whether or not it's going to be a positive one remains to be seen. But for all the, the latest Harry Redknapp news and um, opinion from Stephen about about Harry and from the Newport game at the weekend, do check out the Somerset Live website. There is a Yeovil Town tab where you can find out all the latest uh, Yeovil Town news. Um, next, we should we should really talk about Yeovil Town ladies. Um, last week, if you've missed the news, um, the club could be facing relegation uh, from the top tier of women's football. They worked really hard and they had an, it was an amazing achievement for for them to get promoted on on a, such a small budget um, to the top flight of of the women's game, playing against sort of huge names against the the Man Cities of this uh, of this world. Um, but last week it was announced that it would become an all professional league. Um, the Town ladies aren't fully professional, um, and they would need three hundred and fifty thousand pounds in order to to um, to secure their top flight status. Um, which would be a real shame if they were to lose that um, for non-footballing reasons. I mean, <clears throat> Stephen, they've launched a crowdfunding campaign over the weekend. Do you want to tell us a bit about that and what's been happening? Yeah, I have. I spent a great day um, up at the game yesterday and you know, got a chance to speak to a lot of the key players in that respect. And um, it's a really good, it's a really nice initiative that they've launched, albeit you know, there is a sort of double-edged sword to this because it's a really sad situation when a football club who's got <clears> to the top flight of English women's football on merit through their results on the pitch faces having that taken away from them and the only way that they see that they can raise enough money is to have to crowdfund mm. that's not to say or take away from the fact that they're doing it at all because it, it's a great campaign that they've launched and it fully deserves support but I, I think the best thing about football and one of the things that, that I enjoy most about football is the fact that you can get smaller teams you know if they, you get a good team together it can rise up through the mm. leagues We've seen it in the women's game, we've seen it in the men's game with teams like Bournemouth and Leicester, mm. obviously. And the fact that a story like Yeovil, which is so good as it is, could end because of a decision that's been taken off the field by the FA, it's a travesty, really. There are teams that aren't in the top flight who maybe want to be there, but the reason they're not there is because, quite frankly, they're not good enough to be there mm. at this moment in time. And it, it's wrong that they should have the opportunity to apply for a licence to stay or to join a professional women's super league and be parachuted straight into the top flight at the expense of teams like Yeovil and also like Sunderland who Yeovil played yesterday who are also not fully professional and um, and take their places because mm. on footballing grounds they, they don't deserve to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Liam, it's going to be quite sad for, um, sad for the town, sad, sad for the town, sad for fans and also for for young, young players, young sort of girls who are um, sort of getting into football, and they have this great team on their doorstep, and who might be a providing inspiration, and the club will probably lose some of its best players to to teams who are still in in the top division. I mean, what is what is your take on the whole situation? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think Stephen's hit the nail on the head. First of all, sport is all about stories, and those stories become legends and part of history over years. And, and I think the refreshing thing about the Yeovil Ladies situation was 
all those hierarchies that you have in the male game, the, the clubs like Man United, Man City, Chelsea, where all this money and, and years of, of time have, have made sure that those clubs are essentially are unmovable they're going to be the top six we know in the Premier League in the men's game is pretty cemented Yeovil would uh, like you say on merit and a bit of a fairy tale story force their way into the top flight of women's football and now they could face you know losing all that because they don't tick certain boxes and don't have enough money and like you say as we've, we all cover Yeovil not just for sport but for news in the town and Yeovil's got a lot of uh, challenges and depressing things maybe it's dealing mm. with at the moment Yeovil Town Ladies was one of the uplifting stories of the town people have mentioned it to me and say it's a good thing and you'd, you'd hope that big teams like Chelsea Man City Arsenal coming albeit in, in the women's game but that the women's game is growing so it was an exciting thing for for the town for the club and it's depressing and, and it seems all a bit ridiculous and rushed to me really I don't know the ins and outs of it Stephen's been following it very closely I know but you'd think they could have just phased this in a bit more time to, to recognise the, the lower clubs which have, have really forged an exciting story yeah. for themselves what I think we're, we're talking about here is the FA want the women's top league to become a professional league and fundamentally it absolutely should. And we all agree with that. Ab- absolutely. It's 2017 and the fact that the women's top league is not professional is ridiculous. Um, it's just the way that it it's happened. And the team have worked so hard to get there and all of a sudden they could lose that. I mean, what the club are, are asking for and what we, everyone would like for to have is a bit of time to be yeah. able to to that sort of to phase it in because they should they should be professional they're good enough they they, they should be a professional team um, training sort of day in day out and sort of being those role models within the community and it's important to stress that they're not it's not that they're not professional because they don't want to be or mm. because there's or they're no not good one enough going to try and yeah. do that it's the fact that they've grown at such a rapid speed and that's completely to their in, in tribute to them and their achievements and they just need two or three years to be able to build the infrastructure to get the finances in place for them to be able to take that step and if the FA had said in three years time we're going to turn the Women's League fully professional it would give clubs like Yeovil enough time to prepare for that to apply and not have to resort to things like crowdfunding in order to get the money Mm. together and I've spoken to um, the chairman Steve Allison numerous times over the last couple of weeks about that and he says you know fundamentally he supports the idea of a professional league but there just simply isn't the time for Yeovil to be mm. part of that without significant short-term investment. And that's the, that's the key here, is that when you're, when you're going to announce something like that for two or three years down the road, it makes sense, it's a good idea, and it also shows that the FA you know, have, have taken steps to ensure that every club that wants to be part of that has the opportunity to do that. But the, the issue is that by saying you have to be professional within this amount of time, it's only for clubs who can afford to subsidise women's teams to the tune of £350,000. And there are clubs in the Premier League who have that money around his pocket change who oh, can do that. So there's a week's wages for yeah. some of the like, the men's, yeah. the, the highest and, players in the game. Clubs yeah. like Yeovil and other teams, and I'll give some examples in the WSL2, the league which Yeovil won last year, London Bees, which are run by Barnet. You've got Sheffield, which are, their men's team are in non-league. You've got Durham Women, which is essentially a university-funded team. And how do you expect clubs like them to, to get that money together as well? It's not just an issue affecting Yeovil. It's affecting several teams who are at the top end of the women's pyramid and who have those dreams and aspirations. And those dreams have virtually been shattered by this decision that has been taken by the FA. It'll essentially become a franchise. 
that's that's what it will become. Teams won't be able to break into that that top division without the the huge backing, and that that's just not what English football is about. You know, we all want that aspiration that your local team, you want to be able to support your local team, that they can make it to the top flight. Um, and it's it's ridiculous that they could be relegated from that league on because of a non-footballing reason. It's 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 such a shame. And we will put links to the um, the crowdfunding campaign um, on the story to go with this podcast. So do give as sort of a couple of quid here and there whatever you can can spare um it's it, it'll be great and to help out help out the team well, one of the saddest things i did find yesterday was that the attendance for the game yesterday was significantly lower than it had been for the man city game and yeah people were sort of scratching their heads as to why it was sort of as low as it was and you can't help but feel that this story and sort of the publicity surrounding it and the fact that this, the um sort of the future of the club even the top flight is under threat may have had some part to play in that mm. which is really sad that to think that all this good work that they've done could is even beginning to threaten what's happening now possibly and I, what I would say to anybody who has seen the stories and is maybe sort of beginning to think how on is this worth you know going on to games is it worth continuing to support them absolutely it is mm. because they're a great team they're going to fight tooth and nail to do whatever they can to try and remain in the WSL1 it's a really, really important thing to emphasise, which I don't think has been emphasised enough by, by, by us so far, which is that the club will not die, even if they mm. don't stay in the top flight. It's not going to be the end of Yeovil Town Ladies. They will go back into the second tier, and they have said that any money raised through crowdfunding and any investment will go towards trying to put themselves in a position where they can turn professional and join the top league at a later time. So mm. it's, it's, it has been well thought out. It's been very sensibly thought out. Um, what they want to do and um, what they need more than anything is the support of people in the town and they need the support of the fans and they need everybody to get behind them and help them in this journey because it's a great story and it would be a real shame if it was to end because of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd just echo that and I think my, yeah, my final point on the ladies would be that you do have to support the ladies because I think that Stephen's made this clear in his coverage and when I spoke to the marketing director at Screwfix who a big big sponsor of the men's team uh, and a big Yeovil business, big local employer last week. They said they'd continue to support Yeovil Town when I asked them about whether they could, you know, contribute something to this crowdfunder. Um, and I don't think maybe their understanding wasn't there. And I don't think, I think this is a lack of understanding maybe wider in in, in the women's game, not just in the Yeovil situation. The, the Yeovil ladies stand apart from Yeovil men. Yeovil men don't have a huge pot of money that they can pass over to the women's team so you do need to support this crowd and they're separate entities yeah, as well exactly. it's they're not the same club yeah. they are two separate clubs yeah. so go along and you know support the women's matches directly and support this crowdfunder directly and I just hope that something really you know why I think the depressing thing that could happen here is someone like Manchester United who have neglected the women's game up until now which I think is shame on them they'll come along and they'll say we want the women's team and because they've got a big pot of money the FA will say come on into the top flight of women's football and someone like you will be looking up saying well we were there and we deserve to be mm. there so they, yeah they, sh- that doesn't happen. they should be made to, to work for it absolutely yeah. Um, great yeah like I said we'll put all of the, the links to the crowdfunding campaign and you can read um, all of the latest news about how, how that's going and how the team is doing throughout the season on the Somerset Live website um, one final topic I think for, for this week uh, before um, we'll end is the England games over the weekend we're through we're through. We're to the World Cup. We're going to win it, right? 
such excitement in your voice there, John. I know. I don't don't share my sense. This this means we're gonna gonna win the World Cup, right? The the fee World Cup fever starts from here. I tell you what, you're really you really taking you're stuck. Uh, I think you've gone back to Newsweek. Josh has <laughs> been the classic winding up the pundits, isn't he? That's uh, ab- absolutely. Devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, two back-to-back wins over, over the weekend, which does mean we are through, but my God, they were boring. Weren't they, Josh? I'd just like to point out, of course, I did predict the 1-0 win over Slovenia. I said it'd be a dire game that we'd win 1-0. And that's exactly what happened. But uh, yeah, I mean, to go back to I think we were talking amongst ourselves last week, weren't we, lads? Um, I think, you know, England is depressing the lack of quality. The fact that someone like Fabian Delft was was selected for the squad, I know that he was injured in the end and didn't take part, but that Lithuania game, if he'd been in the squad, I reckon he would have had a run. Oh, absolutely. You had, what, Cresswell playing, Harry Maguire. It was was an awful team. Delft should not have got anywhere near that England squad on merit based on the fact that he doesn't play any Premier League football. And I think if England's down any hope at all in Russia, you've got to get Rashford and Kane in the same team, ideally through the middle together, I think because Rashford is yeah. he's wasted on the wing even though that's where he's deployed for Man United at the moment and I think also you've got to try and adopt this kind of there's, there's a real Tottenham core to this England team and maybe you just get get the England players nice and fit and you just get them running and pressing and because let's, let's not kid ourselves there's no there aren't any sexy footballers really in this England side there's no one and I, I mean that in, in a footballing sense <laughs> not, a, not an aesthetic sense there's no one who can play a nice through ball really other than maybe Deli Alley through to Kane and Rashford so it's depressing yeah. Lack of quality. All, all I'll say is I was so enthralled by the 10 minutes of England game I uh, watched yesterday that I um, gave up and put the Scotland game on instead, and that was much more that entertaining. Did have some drama, that, it, yeah, it, yeah, it was great drama. I think it was very unlucky for Scotland at the end of that because it looked like uh, a couple of good chances they had towards the end, and it's a shame really that they haven't um, mm. got through to the playoffs because it would have been quite good to see. Uh, four of the home nations through to the playoffs. Mm. It looks like nice Wales and Ireland are going to be playing off to yeah. get there tonight. So. Yeah, it would have been nice to see them get through there. But um, going back to England, I think if England were to get out of the group and you know get get to the quarterfinals, that would be an unbelievable success. Based on what an I've overachievement, seen. I think. Yeah. If we manage to get, I don't think anybody far. is going to kid ourselves. We're not going to compete with the likes of Germany or France or Spain or Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, it's not not on that level. I think you have to take a realistic view. They're not a, they're not an elite team anymore. They probably haven't been an elite team since. The, probably you say the, the Beckham Gerard. Yeah, we're we're days. all of about the, the the same age where we remember that that golden generation. That we we can call call them that. Who never they should have won something. They they were good enough. Probably looking back on it, you kind of took them mm. for for granted. I mean, at the sort of major competitions in two thousand and four and two thousand and six, they they really should have done better than than what they did. And how we we long for. For footballers of that that quality, you look back on the Spain era now with some fondness, I think, because even though that 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 generation, you think, oh, they underachieved, they still, you know, comfortably ended up reaching a few quarterfinals. You, they, really? you kind so, of you knew that we'd get out of the group stage yeah. with ease, and then nowadays, to the knockout stage. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think we'll get out out of the group. But if we get one other team who are sort of a good quality side we will get found out very early and, and that's almost a given because I mean, it's very very unlikely when you look at the rankings that we'll be um, one of the top seeds mm. so mm. unless we we luck in and get Russia who will be in the top seeds automatically as hosts then you're bound to come up against one of the big mm. teams in well, the group stage I think even against Russia we're going to struggle home territory mm. yeah particularly for potential for sort of crowd trouble as well that sort of could affect the players who who knows what Definitely. what effect that that's going to have i mean it doesn't i i'm not 
I'm looking forward to to the World Cup because I love it when the World Cup's on during the summer. It's always a, a, a great time. World but Cup fever. Exactly, but I'm not excited by this this England team and it is a really sad state well, of affairs. I think it's just a bit of a name, but John Joe Shelby, the heart of your England 11. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris Waddle. I mean, I, I respect you as a former England footballer, but, he, but I, I, don't know, I don't know what he's thinking there. I really don't. <laughs> um I, I agree with you on England. I think this is the first time probably going to a major tournament, but I haven't actually, I'm not actually excited about how England do. I mean, normally mm-hmm. England are at the forefront of that and it's also great to see the best players in the world playing against each other and playing for their countries, but I will be excited about that. But, you know, England, you, I think you can take or leave them for the way they've been playing. Yeah, we, you, on paper, you look at our qualifying campaign, it was great. We won won most of our games Oh, on paper. on paper, we didn't didn't lose what didn't lose a game. We should go through in that group, though, shouldn't we? Yeah. Well, we should we should, but, but it's just boring. The, the team is the the team that Southgate has put together. I mean, you can't. Some blame probably does have to lie with Gareth Southgate. He's not really inspired much. I don't understand how Oxlade Chamberlain was was starting in the, the Slovenia game. No, ab- absolutely not. He, the team just isn't very exciting. I mean, you've got a couple of young exciting players like Rashford and Kane and Deli Alley and Eric Dyer always looks looks good and, and solid but the rest of the team you got people like Jordan Henderson in there he's not mm. and he's and he's been talked of a potential captain yeah exactly so, um... I mean uh, it looks like um, you two have got your sketched out your England 11s come on let, let's let's hear them ok well I'm going to I'm going to be bold and brave and go and I'm going to pick um, Jordan Pickford and bold the reason choice. I'm going with that is because I think that he is the future of England he's still young he's inexperienced but why not give him a go Germany were famously did it with Manuel Neuer they put him in goal and um, the rest is history I'm not saying he's going to have that level of mm. influence on the world stage but he certainly looks like a very promising keeper and I think that Joe Hart's best days are behind him so Absolutely. I think give him a go don't do what um, Sven did I think it was Sven or maybe Fabio Fabio Capello with uh, Theo Walcott take him to a major oh, tournament yeah. not going to play him just going to take him there for the experience Darren Bent was robbed that year. Know, he should he should have been in that in that squad. We might have done better. Speaks a true <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He was top top goal scorer in English football that, that season. Right. Twenty goals, ridiculous. Well, anyway, I digress. I digress. Carry on, yeah. Stephen. Sorry. Okay, so going back through the uh, going through the team, my my defence. I'm going to go uh, four man defence. Um, Walker and Rose as fullbacks, and then Stones and Cahill in the middle I know there's a lot of talk about Phil Jones alongside um, Stones mm. possibly but I think Cahill he, he's, an, he's an experienced head who's been to major tournaments for the best part of the last sort of 10 years and I think that you mm. probably need somebody who's, who's at that level in your yeah. team particularly if you do go with me and go with Pickford you haven't got any other experience in that defence really yeah. so he's probably the best one to go for and then going forward I'd have like a two man midfield of Dyer and Henderson and then in front of him, Deli Ali is in number 10. Lalana and Rashford either side of him. And then up front, Harry Kane. So I'd mm. like to see a 4 2 3 1. Sort of utilise Lalana and Rashford as sort of wide men and use them to play into Kane. And of course, you've got the Tottenham connection there as well. Absolutely. Liam, how much does your uh, side differ there's, from Stephen? There's quite a lot of overlap, but I've, I've made some other decisions as well. And my formation is 3 4 1 2. So I've also, I've also gone for Jordan Pickford in goal because I think 
basically for the reasons Stephen has said, why muck about with Joe Hart? When at this, what we just said, this tournament, we probably won't do that well anyway. Let's get him in there and prepare him for the future mm-hmm. tournaments. And his distribution as well is fantastic. And I think he's a great shot stopper too. So let's just get him in there. John Stones, Cahill and, and Philip Jones are the back three. I think Phil Jones had a fantastic season with Mourinho at United. Stones has been moulded into someone good by Guardiola. But like Stephen says, a bit of experience in there of Gary Cahill as well. And then the, the four in midfield is just a total Tottenham show for me. <laughs> so I've got Walker wide right, obviously operating effectively mm. as a wing-back. Rose on the left doing the same thing. In the middle, Eric Dyer and Harry Winks. Why not? He did well at the weekend. Ooh, and I think bold. he can actually play a pass, unlike Jordan Henderson. So let's stick him in. And, and, and also, I, th- I think this isn't done enough at international level. Let club partnerships work. Uh, into, you know, just like they mm. already know each other. Stick them in. So Deli Alley will play just behind Rashford and Kane. Feeding Kane, that relationship they've got. And Rashford, we know, is, is fearless. He'll run past anyone. And he's having a great season again. Mm. Play it, like you say. Don't yeah. stick them on the bench or not at all. Absolutely. Like, like I, th- I think we're all agreed on who should start at, up front. And the defence is large, largely the same. It's just the problem is in the middle of the park. I think who's yeah, going to... I think the defence is a bit shaky as well. The defence right. defense is shaky, but they're the best players that we've got to go in those yeah, those positions. They, more, they, yeah. they do, but the problem is in, in the middle of that, that park. I mean, Eric Dyer does... Provide some some cover. No, he's there. effectively a centre back. He he's he's play, play, <laughs> plays a lot in de- yeah. in defence. Um, but it's just who's going to play that that killer, killer ball? That I feel, I feel who's going to be your Iniesta and your sort of chavi? Oh, when you used to have Gerard Lampard skulls, you've gone from that to choice. what we've got now. Uh, I think yeah. England have almost been they've been killed in a way by the fact that the two great hopes for that midfield, which have been touted you know, going back a couple of years, would have been um, Jack Wilshere and Ross Barkley, and they've both mm. fallen off the face of the earth yes. due to injuries and various other mm. things as well. So, you know, if if those two had realised their potential, I think there are very few who would say that they probably wouldn't have been in that midfield, but. As as uh, as life unfolds, it's just not worked out for them. Mm. Well, I think what we can all agree is that Alex Oxley Chamberlain should be nowhere near that that side. <laughs> not on current form. I think that'd be fair. To no, say. not on current form. No revival. <laughs> yeah, which I can't can't really, really see can't happening. See it either, it's it. what a waste of money. But anyway, um, that's it for this week. Um, Thanks very much, all who listen. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Audio Boom, and please give us a good rating on there as well. Um, and don't forget to check out the Somerset Live website for all the latest Yeovil Town news. We'll be back next Monday with news from the crew game at Hewish Park this weekend. So thanks very much. Cheers. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij de Huawei P Smart. Voor 14,50 per maand, 100 minuten of sms's en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust weken. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.